welcome to Didn't See It Coming, the podcast about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. Mark Bussey uh, is with me today, and uh, Mark is an old friend of mine. I won't tell you how old, but he's younger than me. Stop it. And uh, he and I got to know each other when um, I had uh, sort of finished my stint in the world of big advertising and decided to grow a conscience. <laughs> and I, I started my own green ad agency. And that's when I got to know Mark. And Mark mm. was, uh, you were a designer at the time. You had your own design company. Yep. And um, I have been watching with fascination your evolution. And just two weeks ago, I had mm. you on my uh, branddiyfacebookgroup.com as one of my first live interview and you schooled me in how to do Zoom and at that time I found I discovered that you were a Zoom ninja and, right. um, and that you'd been putting on these huge events virtually for, for big recording artists like Dan Mangan mm -hmm. and I know you put on big events anyway like not-for-profit events and you put on mm -hmm. uh, fundraisers rather and Creative Mornings Vancouver. So you have a real knack for bringing people together. You love food, you love learning, you mm -hmm. love all this stuff. You're kind of, you're kind of this, this renaissance man and that's the reason why I wanted to talk to you today because <laughs> I, think, I think you've got something really, really valuable to share with people who are coming out of COVID or in the middle of the economic meltdown, you decide mm -hmm. what day it is. Um, but there's a lot of people doing a lot of searching and yeah. you have been searching professionally for a long time and reinventing. And I think that's super cool. That's actually a very interesting way to think about, you know, the, the, the language of identity because as being a searcher, um, in fact, there's a sort of new agey hippie term I've heard people use uh, the, the, the term is seeker. Yeah. And um, if you're, if you're, you know, driven to serve and, and 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 motivated to be creative in your pursuits, um, constantly seeking better ways to connect and to engage in dialogue and to you know come up with solutions to problems. That seeker uh, or searcher, as you said, is a is kind of a cool way to think about it. But identity is definitely, I think, what we're going to talk about today, mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people, this slowing down. And for many, you know, I recognize and I acknowledge fully my own privilege and, and how lucky I am, the, the skill set, the experience, the network and the opportunities that I have before me aren't the same as everyone else, but it doesn't matter. I think a lot of people are kind of going, wait a second, maybe I should do something better with my life. Or maybe, oh, I lost my job. I'm furloughed indefinitely. I don't think I'm ever going back to that thing. So what are we going to do? Like what, yeah. how, how do you, now how what? does one, now what, how yeah. does one negotiate that, that moment um, in their life? So that's yeah. what I went through. Cause I, I took a step away from my fancy job um, two weeks before the world stopped. <laughs> that sounds super familiar. I mean, I, uh, I started change my green ad agency. Like I said, we were talking before the call. Nope. You remember I started change. I sure do. Great and, logo. Oh, I remember the logo. Roy and Matt and Roy did that with the, Matt and Roy. The, it worked plot. upside. It worked upside down and it worked right side. I up. know. Fantastic. It was awesome. It was really awesome. Um, I started change uh, just as I'd signed a new mortgage on a million dollar house. 
Right. And I went from a- Which was a lot of money back then. Now we laugh. Which was a million dollars. Million dollars. It's a garage. That's a parking spot. (laughs) I know. But back in the day, I remember I was the first of our friends to sort of bridge that million dollar mark. So it was was just a massive- massive debt. So you're the one we should be angry about for kicking off the real estate problems here. Yeah. Personally. All right. And, uh, and then within, I think it was six weeks or eight weeks, I quit big advertising, good six figure income. And I went to zero income and that, uh, my, my God, I mean, you want to talk about a transformation, but anyways, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, so it's, I think we, we kind of walk the same path. Let me, let me hijack this for a second. Uh I want to ask you a question. Go back in your mind. You're there already. Go Mm -hmm. back with me. And did, think, pause for a second. What, how did you negotiate that moment? What was it that deeply motivated you in terms of your beliefs? The, 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 where, where did that, the energy and the bravery come from for you to, to, to put that energy towards that massive change? I, uh, that's a super easy answer. Um, I realized that nobody gives you money for free. I, I had just gone, you know, I was working a huge job. I was flying all over the place and, and making a ton of dough. And um, there was one incident in particular, but there were many small ones. One incident in particular, do you remember Roots Air? Of course. The airline? Well, yep. that was my account. We sank that airline in six weeks. It's a personal note for, for me. It, yeah. It didn't, it didn't deserve to live. Not anybody can just come up and say they sewered an airline. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember we had never, we hadn't taken a holiday when I was in this new position and getting a ton of dough and my wife and I got these free tickets to go down to Florida for a weekend. Now we told nobody. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we went down to Florida and my assistant, God bless her heart. By the time we touched down, she started triangulating us and actually called my wife's sister in Vancouver or in Victoria across the country. She, we were living in Toronto at the time and she, uh, she asked her where we were staying and she said somewhere by Miami and she didn't actually know. She didn't know the hotel or where. Mm-hmm. And so my assistant started calling all the hotels up and down the coastline of Miami until she found us. And when she found us by that evening, so we have been there less than eight hours. She got on the phone with me and says, you have to fly back to Toronto. I said, why? She says, because the roots guys need you to present uh, the new roots air campaign uh, on Sunday. And I said, you got to be kidding. You could shave a chimpanzee, have him stand up and present the work and he would do just as good a job. No, but they need you. And so I jumped on a plane having been less than 12 hours and Mm -hmm. flew up from Miami to Toronto and presented. And two hours later, I was back on an airplane flying from Toronto back down to Miami just in time to pack up and go back home to Toronto with my wife. Oh my God. And it was at that moment that I realized that Nobody gives you money for free. The more money they give you, the more they own you. And, you know, that kept coming back again and again and again. And once you realize that, once you realize that, it makes you very unhappy and it constantly eats at you. And you said, I got to get out of this. And, you know, I read books like uh, Choose Yourself by James Altucher. I love Mm -hmm. that guy. Good book. Yep. And, And he said, you have to realize that corporations hate you, not on purpose, but they, their mandate is to get as much work out of you for as little money as possible and grind you that that's how they that's how they exist right and you go oh man at least working on my own and doing something where i try to sort of fight for the right team Mm -hmm. it makes you sleep easier even even if you're starving and i've been starving plenty of times but um you know i'd like to be able to tell my kids that even if i didn't uh win the war at least i fought for the right team yeah what 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 i so a couple of thoughts 
which relates to, I think, what you're going to hammer me on here today. So mm-hmm. we can use this as a, as a precursor. What I heard you say, well, first of all, uh, you and I are storytellers, always, always have been. And uh, I, I take mild umbrage with the idea that a shaved chimp could have done as good a job. The reality is, you know, you and I can do that stuff. We can, we can translate one thought into another and we can create the limbic energy mm-hmm. and, the, and the, the, the excitement in others to see a vision um, through storytelling. So that's not, so cut yourself some, or give yourself some credit. Um, that's not negating what you said. It's absolutely true. But what I heard in that was that in that moment, and of course it's, it's a slow burn. I had the same moment. I can remember, I can tell stories too, precisely around that, these critical decision uh, junctures, these, these, these what forks, forks in the road. Well, we can, I'll, I can, I can tell you that okay. story later, but for you, I, what I heard you say is you realized that um, the value of your time and your need to, for self care and, uh, the the freedom necessary to be able to do that sort of stuff was violated. Your those mm-hmm. those values were in 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 yeah they were they were being stomped on, and um, and you 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 know that led to making choices that prioritize that and that's that to me is a really interesting. So the two things there that I'm going to come back to <clears throat> is the idea that. Um, uh, if we think about what the choices we make in life and the direction we want to go in, which again, not, you know, some, some folks might be listening to this and feel much more stuck in the mud. And I, and I, and I have empathy for that. I've been there too. I know what that feels like, but if you pause and you start to think of the stories that you've had in your life, those moments where um, uh, choices you made or opportunities made you feel most whole or most, um, uh, or, or really, you know, you said niggling, but I mean, sometimes it can be absolutely visceral, deep in your mm-hmm. gut. You can feel the wrongness of a situation. And if you, if, you, if you analyze those and reflect on those through the lens of the second issue, which is that which you believe to be most important to you, and, and then pressure test those and really think about like, why? Why does that matter? How does that map to what time it is in the world and, the, and, and what I can offer it and start to create a bit of a, a, a story map around your path forward, um, opportunities unlock themselves. Um, and we can talk mm-hmm. more about that. But anyway, that's what I heard when you told that story. It's true. You know, with me, um, uh, I didn't think about it that profoundly, uh, but what was, what's interesting <laughs> in a lot of people, because I'm superficial, yeah, but you're, yeah, I write you're, ads. A, you're a fast silence. Yeah, you're an ad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm superficial. Don't hate me. Um, but I remember, um, I remember uh, drinking and I remember drinking more and more. And well, I led that life, right? Because I was out yep. five days a week with clients. Yep. Yep, and I was out going out with people that I really didn't like that much. And yep. I didn't really want to have anything to do with socially. And my job was to um, smile and say make them you like know, you. nice things, make nice. And, uh, cocktails and are, cocktails are a good way to do that. Cocktails are an awesome way. So I turned into, I mean, you, you turn into Don Draper, right? That's right. There's, there's liquor at lunchtime. Yeah. Um, and I remember, um, what bothered me so much was that I'm going, I have everything. 
I've got an awesome job. I wear a black turtleneck, you know, mm-hmm. any cigarettes. I have mm-hmm. cocktails at lunch. I get on airplanes all the time. It's everything I ever dreamed of. And, uh, <laughs> and, and it's really not that nice. And yeah. you go, and if, if this isn't nice, where to from here? So for a long time, it, it, it smolders inside you and yep. there's no avenue. I think a lot of people are probably feeling that. I know when I left and started my own agency, I got a lot of calls from guys in Toronto going, oh, we want to do what you're doing. We want to do what you're doing. And I said, do you realize that in the six months that I started this, I've ground four teeth down so hard that I had to have yeah. root canals. Yeah. And they're like, oh, and you realize I'm not making any money. And they're like, oh, because you develop expensive habits and it's not mm-hmm. a principle unless it costs you. That's right. You know, but yeah. with you, with you, I, what, what blew me away and what I really want to talk about just a, a couple of weeks ago, you sent me a document after mm-hmm. we had gone on uh, brand DIY Facebook group. Um, and, and I had the interview, I talked with you there about purpose. And then you sent me this document and right. it was sort of a, a, a longish assessment of what you stand for. And I'm like, where did that come from? What made you do that? Yeah, well, um, and it's interesting because it's an evolution of something that I've been doing both personally and professionally with clients for 20 years. And it's rooted in a lot of things. Um, Reflection definitely being one of them. But reflection without... uh, articulation without capturing, harvesting thoughts and, and intention never becomes strategy or action. I mean, that's just, you know, you can think all you want and, and we've all met those people who espouse grand ideas mm-hmm. and they never, they never convert them into action. <clears throat> so um, years ago, I borrowed the idea from, so for context for listeners, uh, as a, as a identity brand, specialist um in days of old my job was to work and lead with teams to come up with visual solutions and messaging and words and you know taglines and logos and marketing campaigns and all the stuff that mark has also had some experience with but mine was to do to create some expression of who an organization or an individual is in in a mechanized fashion that they could they could implement um, consistently through, across platforms and and on campaigns and what have you, and in that process, I realized a long time ago, it was really far less about graphic design. Mm-hmm. Uh, although that's really important stuff, color theory is real, typography is is real. Um, uh, you know, uh, there is very 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 real real reasons why some visual language works and some doesn't. Mm-hmm. However, the most rewarding and the most uh, profitable, and I mean profitable in the broad sense of that word, for those organizations I worked for, but also for the organization in terms of culture and, and for us in terms of efficacy and all, a, a, a myriad ways that you could, you could peel that onion. It was when I dug into, you know, does your organization serve a real problem in the world? What does it do well? What does it struggle with? What does it stand for? Where are things misaligned? How does that overlap internally, externally, and with the marketplace? 
where where has failure led to to grow like there's a lot of things that a lot of my clients in the early days would have been like what does this have to do with our logo i don't understand you know and i'm asking them to tell me stories often tell me a story of um the last client who fired you and at the end of that story i'd say great give me their phone number i want to talk to them i turned that into two million dollars once by the way there's a story um and so I borrowed that for myself years ago. In fact, the last time I did a major career shift as I left my firm of, after 20 years and joining one of our biggest clients as a, as a senior member of their leadership team. And I created a document that had, you know, SWOT analysis. Mm -hmm. And SWOT, if you don't know, is this idea of the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I actually have in recent years switched my, my I, I now use something called DOS, which is the same thing. Uh, which is dangerous opportunities and strengths. It just it's a nicer, more succinct, and I like the flow of going from dangers being the realities of things, including weaknesses and and mm -hmm. failures and the realities of the 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 situation, into opportunities and then and and then landing the last thing being great. What can I build on strength wise that I can use to build momentum in what it is that I'm doing? And what and by doing that process myself, um, that led me to understanding to doing some goal setting. Mm -hmm. I don't think goal setting is that unusual, but in the context of, of this exercise, it allowed me to have conversations with others around what I could offer as a consultant or, or a member of their team mm -hmm. and just creating clarity. So here's the thing. Um, I know a lot of seen a lot of really successful people and I've worked for coached and, and managed hundreds. Mm -hmm. Um, I would show that document to people and I would explain the process and, and the benefit and they would all go, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And they'd never done it. Mm -hmm. They just I had haven't. not, they just had not done it. And so, which is really interesting to me. I mean, organizations do it. Yeah. But see, that's interesting Mark, because you, I know for a fact you've, you've challenged leadership teams to do it for themselves. Oh yeah. So all I did, uh, you know, four months ago is go, okay, okay. All right. So I'm going to, take a time out. I'm going to take a little sabbatical moment here and I'm going to turn that reflect, reflective lens on myself. I'm the client. Now, again, privileged. I had the advantage of being able to work with a coach and anybody, if they get a chance to work with a, tr a trained experienced, and I would suggest certified coach that uses a, a, um, a, a, a real framework. Mm -hmm. um, and this particular, my, my executive, my leadership coach, Colin, um, approaches the process of coaching for leaders and high performers through the lens of, of this sort of the design thinking realm. Mm -hmm. So I just, so, you know, he started challenging me and we started working together and I just took it and ran with it. I thought, okay, well, what's design thinking? It's identifying, you know, real needs in the world, uh, mm -hmm. uh, you know, breaking that down, understanding and accepting where you're at right now. Mm -hmm. Um, digging into that and I used some journaling and 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 mm -hmm. I got really uh, you may also remember I sent an email out to yeah that's the big thing in design thinking finding out finding, getting the what, outside getting the what's outside the outs what's the reality so as I was analyzing myself and trying to figure out what it is that I do struggle with skills I have opportunities before me whatever um, and start to define that stuff I went out to you know a few hundred um, people who knew me well and said okay when you think of me and you've worked with me seen me, know me personally or professionally or both, 
what are, what's some of the language that comes up and I posed it in the, in the, in, in, through the lens of values? Like what would be the words you think that would be my, by values, I mean, you know, really strongly held beliefs and the things that drive me and, and make me guide how I behave and the decisions that I make. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I did, I worked on that myself. I, mm-hmm. I dug deep into that process. Um, and that allowed me to, to uh, kind of frame some ideation around, you know, in, in the design thinking realm, we would say prototyping. And mm-hmm. I came up with three kind of career paths that, that I could drill down in, into each. And then I was able to use the, the value stuff to, to kind of, um, to really f- listen to my gut, mm-hmm. talk to close advisors. Um, and of course I'm not, I'm not my, a coach is not an advisor, right? This wasn't, he wasn't mentoring me. Uh, it wasn't directive. He was helping me chew through my own, yeah, chew through my own process and my own potential and my own, um, ability to uh, uncover, uh, what I really felt about things and what, what I, what opportunities were really available and test them a little bit. And that was a key part of it. And the document goes into it. So it, it market, it, the document was really just a journaling exercise that I realized early on was not dissimilar to the kind of uh, document I would write for an organization as a, as a strategy document. It was super in-depth. It was a super in-depth <laughs> strategy document. I mean, it's way more profound than stuff that I do with my clients, but it was it, what, what I thought was awesome about it was that it, it mirrored it a lot, you know, mm. and where did it lead? I mean, now you've come out of the tail end of it. I've seen yeah. it. It's a great document. I, I would highly recommend anybody who is sitting there going, I hate my job and right. my company hates me. Now what? to think about doing this as a first step, well, as opposed to saying, I have done this, this, yeah. and this, therefore I should look for that, that, and that kind of job. Yeah. You're, you're, people listening may wonder what's passion. in the document. So I'll, I'll, I'll strip my, my content out and I'll give you the questions in. It's oh, like that'd be can, terrific. You can share them uh, and they can take a number of forms, obviously, but basically the document goes like this. The first thing I did was, and, it, and it's kind of actually interestingly, sort of linear to the thinking it, it like it rolls out. I mean, I've revised it a hundred times. Um, and, and one of the things that I will say is this is emotional work. Uh, this is difficult work actually. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, especially if you're, if you're going to be really honest with yourself. And I think that's the hardest person to be honest with sometimes yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you really, you really have to give yourself time, turn away, reflect, let it sit, go back, write it again, talk to somebody, bounce it off a couple of people. I, not a lot of people have seen this document. You're, you're, you're amongst an elite few, Mark. Um, but I'll tell you, I'll, I'll end this by saying what's happened now and, what, and mm-hmm. how it has served me. But the document starts off with me asking the question. I literally wrote myself questions. The first question was simple. Where am I now? How do I describe what it is that I do in the world currently? And how does that relate to important issues like health and work and mm-hmm. play and love. And what, what, what is it that I, how I describe myself? So that's a, I mean, sure. That could be lifted from your LinkedIn page, you know, mm-hmm. like, I guess if, if mm-hmm. you thought about it, it's important to think about where you're at right now. And then the next question was like, where am I going? So what are the options, the choices and opportunities before me and what what do i what wouldn't i carry forward 
um, a friend of mine challenged me with some of these questions and I, and I loved them. So I used them in my document. I picked them up and it started to evolve. Like what are there skills, you know, goals, like capacities, things that you've held on to that it's time to just say goodbye and leave it, let them go. And with those skills that you do have and the, and everybody brings, uh, and I'm not just talking about the letters after your name and the courses you've taken and the jobs on, on your CV, but your innate abilities but so where would you love to play it's Mm -hmm. worth it's worth just like giving yourself permission to dream about if you could get the perfect job where would you want that to be because there's versions of that that may be found in other places that you can actually build towards and 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 use to create momentum and of all of the issues and all of the things in the world that you really are annoyed by or or really inspired by you know, what's, what stand out the most that, that require your energy and capacity, which leads to the third big question for me, which is what time is it? I do not remember. I wish I could credit whomever it was that first used that type, that terminology for me, because I, I love it. What mm-hmm. time is it is a short way for me to, to ask myself, what's going on in the world right now that needs my attention? Is this real? I wish more businesses would actually ask themselves this question. Does the world really need your widget? Is this really solving a problem in the world? What freaking time is it? Mm-hmm. Because that will help land, or did for me, this thing about like, where am I right now? Mm-hmm. Where am I and where, where might I go? So then, um, and, and a lot of that stuff came as a mixture of the work with my coach, Colin, uh, who I recommend greatly, and um, and uh, a book that he made me read, uh, which I recommend. I mean, it's not for everybody, but if you're thinking of going through change, um, you've probably heard it. It's called Designing Your Life, and it was written no, by the, the yeah Designing Your Life. It's written by the fellas, one of the guys from um, IDEO, mm-hmm. and uh, and another fellow. They're both they're both sort of they're they're both Stanford uh, professors. And Designing Your Life is actually I think the most popular course at the D school in Stanford. And it, it basically maps the, the design thinking process, uh-huh. meaning, meaning making, the, the point of view, the work view, the world view, the, all that sort of stuff on top of a life model or use that as a model so that you can discover uh, and, 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 and dig into and prototype and develop ideas around your life based on, you know, where reward lives and where, and where, uh, where you feel fu- fulfilled and, and when, when energy is expended, uh, how engaged do you feel? And you can create a bit of a map. It's very journal heavy, um, uh, which for me, I will confess, um, you know, if the point of using this book is to get unstuck, journaling endlessly kind of gets me stuck sometimes, which mm-hmm. is ironic because this document was actually a journaling exercise. But anyway, um, so that book um, was, I had read it. I had thought about, you know, this idea of where, where I'm at and what this could, could mean and what I, what I derive um, positive energies of, uh, you know, and, and feelings of engagement and reward from and, and all of these sort of things. And it's, this is not something I think that we teach our kids to do. And maybe we should, no. we should like, what are the things that really make you feel like your best self. So then it. Um, it turned a corner. The next exercise in my document, which I'll share you the outline from, mm-hmm. 
was the values um, exercise that I borrowed from Stan Slap's book, Bury My Heart at Conference Room B, which is such a... I love the sound of that. I'm writing that down too. Such a great title. Hey, Bury My Heart at Conference Room B. The idea of like, if you're your full, most uh, nuanced version of self, right? If, If you could imagine making decisions based on what you total, you most deeply believe is the right way to live. And you could show up to work and be accepted and rewarded for who you really are, flaws and all. And you could build a culture around that. Imagine that, building a culture, a team, a company, a, an organization, a, a community of practice, your family, mm-hmm. um, and, and, and be able to display you know, rock-solid consistency between your intentions and your actions. Even when things go fucking sideways. Oh, I'm swearing. That's okay. That's okay. Um, those are values. And so in the book, and I added to it, and, and, and there's, an, there's an exercise in the book where they, um, they, they talk about the, they're just words, they're concept words, but they're words that capture definitions that we, we each imbue. Um, and I think the, the exercise that I used, there were, there were 50 possible words um, that could, be de- seen mm-hmm. as values, uh, accomplishment, um, mm-hmm. family, you know, and family, what does family mean? Family could be a value in a, in a, in a business or in a life, you know, and I, if I valued family, it, it, I don't mean we're going to behave, we're going to have dinner together at work, you know, mm-hmm. or, or whatever the family means, but, but maybe it could mean, values. well, it could mean, it could mean that we believe in mutual support and growth and, uh, love even 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 when when things go wrong and telling and it like it is telling it, it like it is being having, able to yeah being able to tell the truth you yeah. know maybe transparency is important to you but it's it's actually what it really is is a um it's a it's a version of the, the value family so if 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 so finding you know there's a long i mean the reality is 90 percent of humans share the same values the magic is in the, is in the 10 percent. so uh, I asked myself, all right, so how do I define my values? I picked uh, 12 values that were the most important to me. Um, and this was, I had done this before I had gone out to my, uh, my, uh, my, my friends, you know, the email. And um, 150 people, shockingly, <laughs> had opinions about me. Imagine that. And um, the overlap was profound. And they, the alignment was amazing. I narrowed it down to four. Mm-hmm. I asked myself, which of these four are my core values that most define who I am? And then um, I asked sub, sub questions or secondary mm-hmm. questions to um, what Stan Slap in his book calls pressure test them to move from sort of this idea of intellectualizing their Yeah, opinion. because that's all nice. It sounds good at a cocktail oh, yeah. party. Oh, yeah. I value relationships. Yeah, but what, why are relationships so important to you, Mark? Uh, give me a give me a specific example, a story. Like earlier on, we you told you told a story. So give me an example of when this value, the example I use with relationships, has been present. What happens when it's absent? How do you feel? What has gone? Do you have any examples of when it was absent and things went off the rails? What happens when it's truly achieved? How does it? How does it form your? How does this value? form your identity give me specific examples where did it come from uh-huh. so that so i did that exercise that was the hardest uh-huh. uh it was also the most rewarding uh then because i think you also find with the values that you put down they start to it starts to thin the herd a lot 
between the stuff that just sounds nice and the stuff that's, uh, that actually rings true. Completely. The rest of the document f uh, f fell into place really easily. Um, I asked myself for proof, some storytelling. Uh, my coach challenged me to add a section where I, uh, I honestly wrote as though I was just naked alone in the dark, me and God. I wrote, you know, where, what are your big blind spots? What are your core blind spots and challenges? Like, yes, your core values are great, but what do you struggle with? So I wrote that down. Uh -huh. And then I, and then I just turned into a brand strategist. I'm like, okay, what's my vision? What's my personal vision? Uh, and then my vision. So my, vi my vision would be, you know, the aspirational future state. What do I, what do I want to see achieved in my life in the world? Right. And then my mission being the, the path towards that, the purpose and actions that I'm going to take in pursuing this, this thing. What does this all mean? Goals became really easy to articulate at that point. Mm -hmm. I even wrote myself a little manifesto um, uh, kind of, it's, it's totally an evolving thing, but kind of like a, a belief statement that's a, mm -hmm. um, I don't know, eight or 10 short sentences. And then uh, the, the last thing was kind of really bloody interesting i just wrote what i called my ideal role right? now all right you've done all of that stuff yeah write, write a job now let's make it real now write it down now where where are you where are you at right now with that well because I mean, all i know is when i try to get a hold of you you are still very very booked <laughs> up so yeah. you're you're filling your hours yeah uh, so what's happened what's ha well what's happened is um i have if there have been a number of, I told, I told folks that during this COVID timeout, I was, I wasn't going to take any job offers and, and I, mm -hmm. you know, I would just do some volunteering and some, some consulting. And, and although one of the things I've discovered doing that process, uh, I don't, I don't want to go back to consulting full time. You know, that's, I, I need to be one of, one of my core values is around belonging to a team and being a part, leading from behind, not, not being an independent. I don't, I don't want to be in the spotlight being the, the expert all the time. I want to be a part of a team and help, um, help a team find its best version of self and engage in dialogue and creative process. So I've been just telling this story to leaders in the industry who phone me up and say, hey, could you come work for us? And um, a couple of, um, couple of times it's been a really interesting conversation um, with folks that I wouldn't mind working for and who have the capacity to afford someone like me. And uh, so I tried an experiment, which I think that turned out to be pretty profound. And I said, tell you what, you know, I, I think what actually happened was I was having a conversation with a, with a, with a partner of a firm that was interested in my perspectives and whether or not I might fit their team. And I was parroting the language of this, um, document yeah values document and i was and because and and the clarity was so so obvious to him and he and he asked me he just said like how why are you you're so self-aware you mm. seem to have absolute clarity around what you want to do next and for whom and in what manner and i said yeah, yeah. i mean i'm you know i'm also in my 50s now i don't i don't i don't have time to fart around i want to mm -hmm. get this right and he's like, that's just, that's incredible. How, how did you do that? Our organization hasn't yet been able to do that, let alone myself. And I, so I told him the story of this process. Mm -hmm. I told him the story of this document. And I said, tell you what, why don't I send you, don't share it with anybody, but why don't I send you this document? You can look at it. Now this document even has, I mean, it's very raw. It's very naked. And I uh -huh. encourage yeah, anybody to is, try it this. It is pretty vulnerable, right? It is vulnerable. Like you have got to be willing to, 
if you're, this document is just for you. I chose, it won't be for everybody, but I chose to share it. Now, confession, knowing I was going I had made this offer to this person, I had my wife read the document and edit out a couple things that might have gone a little bit over the line. Because knowing that potentially a colleague and employer was reading it, uh, I tend to value, one of my values is integrity, which is manifest through truth telling and forthrightness and mm -hmm. owning my shit. I just really don't mind being fully myself, even if it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But my wife, who's a really good editor as well and knows me in all of that, she knows that deeply, is a real, was a really good choice for me to go, you know what, why don't you restate this another way so it doesn't make it seem a little bit this or whatever it was. So there were a few minor edits, mm -hmm. but it was still very raw, including a salary range that for some would have been off-putting and they would have been like, I'm not paying, I can't afford that. Mm -hmm. And uh, within 24 hours, they had responded back and said, we'd like to send you an offer right now. And I said, I said nope. Nope, you can, we can, I have 70 other questions to ask you and uh, I don't want to see an offer until you have dinner with my wife and I because of my values. And they, and that they is it. so cool. They loved it. They were, so we're actually this weekend, uh, my wife and I are having a picnic on the beach with the two partners of this firm um, to, to talk about this role they envisioned for me and, and this offer they'd like to make and odds are pretty good. I'm going to take it. Now, hold on a minute. Uh, that that seems like a good moment. I want to, I want to have you back. And I was thinking, you know, would we, would we carry on this conversation and talk about what you should, what other people should do? But I would love to have you back after this weekend, after the yeah, picnic sure. on the beach, because sure. I think that I'm going to, what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to smoosh it together with this podcast so that, that we have this one as sort of the part A and then the next one, which is a few days later. So in, uh, five or six <laughs> if seven, I'm in tears, <laughs> exactly. Where I, where I found out that go, this, is, this is all terribly misguided terribly advice wrong. and everybody will go, what happened to Bussy? Well, yeah. you know, he's in a home now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I and, you know, and the, you know, the other thing too is, is this, right? Like, um, change, you know, and, and we get one life, we get, Mm -hmm. we, we get, Unless you're Shirley MacLaine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and change can be paralyzing. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, some folks, um, and I'm not going to use the labels of the, the generations, but some, some younger people in my life seem so keenly motivated to only do things if it matters and only take the perfect job. And as a result, they tend to not do anything or mm -hmm. it doesn't, or they're, or the opposite, they're flighty and they float around. He's mm -hmm. constantly looking for, you know, work is work. It's called work. Um, and I think that it's not always ever going to be um, perfection. Mm -hmm. There's going to be things that bug you. Um, and I was slipping a little bit into this again. I'm, I'm quite, you know, privileged. I have a lot going for me. That's that. So I was like, I'm not going to take, I'm not going to work for them. And you know what I mean? And my wife, again, to her credit, and, and I think my coach came up in our conversations at some point said, you know, you, you know, you could do this for like a year or two, right? Like if it doesn't work, you still have all those advantages. You can still use this to your advantage to gain momentum and, and, and take another step towards the better thing and keep your eyes open. I tend to be a person who 
if I commit, I go all in. Like I just go deep. Like I tend to, I tend I know. to carry it all. I so know. anyway, so we'll see how it goes. I'd love to all come right. back. Um, well, let's, let, let's, let's call it right there now. Sure. But what we're going to do is early next week. Sure. Uh, well, it's, well, it's still burned in your mind. Yep. Uh, what happened? I'll let you know. Uh, we're going to jump on again. And then we're maybe the maybe something two. else we can we, we can do is I've been sort of collecting and if you or your audience have ideas send them my way I've been collecting really good ideas oh, sorry questions to ask through the right like what mm-hmm. do you ask a potential employer especially at this point you know we're all a lot of us are looking at new new jobs new careers new paths so what what are the go no go criteria we use and how do we frame that before we accept a position I think that so many people give up the power that they have in the job application process. Mm-hmm. We get to interview the employer. It, so it's I, false, I have though. some, I'll tell it, you next time, I'll tell you some of the ones that I asked and, I'll, and I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. We'll see how it goes. And, uh, and I think that's an interesting conversation also part of this because like, I don't just want to take a job, right? Yeah. I, I, I want to, I want to join a team. I want to join. Man, you've got so much to teach. Okay, uh, we're going we're gonna to call it right there. And right, uh, we're going to jump on and I'm going to make it the part B of this interview. So that, okay. that uh, Monday, Tuesday or something like that, we'll jump on again. I'll send you, I'll send you the, the questions you can share with your, your folks. Awesome, man. Okay. Talk Thanks to for you. the call. See you later. Thanks. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that part one of our conversation. True to form, true to my promise, we did get back together. And secrets out, Mark did get the cool new gig. So let's listen in to part two of our conversation now. It's Mark again, and normally I don't do two-part podcasts, but last time we talked to Mark Fussy, a good friend of mine, he, is, he started out as a designer and he is sort of a renaissance man. He does everything from planning massive virtual events, he's sort of a, a Zoom ninja, to uh, bringing big groups together in, in a real-world setting. He was uh, one of the originators of Creative Mornings Vancouver, and he is also a brand specialist, but not just as far as design goes, all over. And I'd say he's a lot more a brand strategist today than anything else. Now, that has nothing to do with nothing because I talked about that in the last podcast. What I want to talk about today, <laughs> we left off last time and you were talking about your purpose statement and your purpose document, something that blew me away. It was a multi-page document. And right. it went in great depth into what you stand for, what you believe in, and what sort of people you want to align with. And I found it absolutely mind-blowing. I'd never seen anything like it before. And you ended with a cliffhanger. And that cliffhanger was that you had just been notified by somebody that they saw this document, they were blown away, and they wanted to give you a job. And you said, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's meet first, and let's talk about you know, I'll hold up my purpose, you hold up yours, and let's see if there's an alignment. And that's where we ended it. Right. And now, happy news, you're, uh, you've got this new gig. So that is what I want to talk about. Talk to me about what happened. Right. Well, actually, what I told them was um, they, they, so the conversation, I forget how, how we ended it last time, but the conversation was going, was happening with a few characters, a few firms that were interested in in um, me coming into their leadership team uh, to bring some of that brand strategy and and, and what have you. And um, and you know, the purpose of doing that process for me, uh, which a reminder was 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 helped 
through sort of a dialogic process with a leadership coach and, uh, and was a sort of self-directed pressure test of who I am, where I'm at, what I was willing to let go, uh, what I wanted from, from my own life and career and, and what my priorities were. And, and so it didn't, it wasn't, Mark, it wasn't actually a plan. In fact, I will say this, there's no way that when I wrote this, and perhaps this is a really important point, if somebody decided to do this sort of thing for themselves, and I, and I recommend it, I really do. I think looking back, the best thing, or, or one of the most sort of um, poignant aspects of it is that I had no intention of sharing it with anybody except maybe my coach, uh, perhaps my wife. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I sent it to my business partner from my firm. We're still, we still own that, that, that business. So I trust him implicitly and he knows he's known me for 40 years, but I, like, I wasn't going to just like, Hey, check it out. Here's a super vulnerable, uh, um, expression, you know, with anecdotes from my, my life to, to explain why it is that I show up a certain way in the world. But in the in the context of seeking alignment and in the context of of uh, assessing potential candidates that I may want to to work with <clears throat> I decided well to hell with it I've I've done this document um, would you like to see it and uh, and then we'll continue our conversation after and they were like sure and so yeah so I I so I I, I sent them this document that contained my vision statement and my the description of my ideal role and my core values and and all of that stuff that normally you know consultants like you and i help leadership teams mm -hmm. figure out for their business and it was mere hours before the the this one particular partnership there's two of them sent me a message and said we'd like to send you a job offer tomorrow morning and i so my response to them was please don't they're like what please don't uh, there, I have I, the joke was I have 74 questions that I want to ask you before I, I would entertain uh, a job offer, and the the condition on crossing that moment in time will be that you have to have dinner with me and my wife. This is, in the context of of, of life commitments, this is akin to a marriage. Um, you know, I'm going to be the right up there under the partners in this organization, um, and. There's no way that I want to do that without having, well, two things. One, <clears throat> I trust my wife. She's my life partner. And I wanted to give her space. In fact, I left the table when we did have this dinner at one point, intentionally said, excuse me, I have to use the washroom and make a phone call. <laughs> and I left the table knowing that this was their chance, her chance, and we had talked about it, she and I, uh, and uh, their chance to ask some a couple of hard questions and have some conversation with me not in the room and they did they really did mm. um and uh the second thing is that um uh if if you know i remember the first time i was in china <clears throat> which was a very interesting experience because i was there on a speaking tour as like the, a vip and if you ever go to, get to go to asia try to do it as a vip yeah because <laughs> Wow, do they yeah. know how yeah. to entertain you? Holy man. And one of the things that is uh, deeply embedded in their culture is this idea that you don't really trust someone and you wouldn't go into business with them or, or, or enter a, a deep trusting relationship with them until you've seen them inebriated. 
which is actually why they take you. They it's con a constant cheersing with the with the rice wine at the dinner. It's a it's an attempt to get you to um, reveal your true self. There's a, there's an ancient a famous ancient um, proverb or, or or something along that lines, and I thought you know what this would be great. I want to see how they behave and what they talk about and what their sense of humor is like and how and how they carry themselves um, in a social situation where alcohol was involved. And it turned out quite well. Um, and uh, here I am. That's hilarious. I also, I mean, I, I lived in China for years and um, I know that uh, you can't really trust a client until you've seen what they pick in karaoke. So there you uh, go. Yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to add that ne next time. If, if there's ever a next time, I'm going to make that a condition of, exactly. of uh, employment where we are not going to work together until we go to karaoke together. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, uh, Brandy is usually part of that Hennessy VOP, VSOP cognac oh, yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah that, they, love, they love that stuff. <laughs> so this my is wife, this my wife family is, is uh, half, Chi half of them are Chinese and, uh, it's um it's an interesting culture. I love it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's definitely, it's definitely, it's definitely a learning curve, but, um, uh, now this is, this is incredible. So, um, I would love to use this as, as something that folks can learn from. So yep. um, I, I see that uh, you went out there and you've always been a guy with super high integrity and very transparent about your integrity. Um, well, which doesn't always work. I mean, I mean, it works, I know, right? Like it's, that can be, that can be an affront to some people. Very honest. It comes across, it comes across as, a, it comes across as um, um, almost a, uh, uh, challenging. And if some people are, are the sort of people who believe in um, easing their way into a relationship, it can come across as abrasive. And I think sort of like, well, aren't we supposed to do the politeness and the, and yeah. the, the, the chit chat and stuff like that? Right. All of which just makes me roll my eyes and it, it, it's painful. I think also, I don't know if it's age or something, but you just lose your patience with that kind of protocol. Yeah, I'm also, I, I, I think also I uh, can be, um, and this is something for folks to think about, I, you know, we're all an enigma. We're all a paradox held in, in, in balance, right? You know, a, contradic yeah. a walking contradiction. And I am, uh, and the way I show up professionally, challenger is actually a really good word. It, mm -hmm. um, ch challenging is what I tend to do, um, especially traditions, habits, norms, uh, paradigms. I like I like the I like the broad idea of a reframe. Like, are you sure we're looking at this in the right way? The other thing that though that is far less abrasive but can be confusing is that I am a hugely emotional, empathetic, big-hearted, hippy-dippy, you know, guy who 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 you know who will start meetings with poetry. Like, I'm that guy. Um, but that, I think that there's magic between those two, those two, um, you know, if that were a spectrum of, of, mm -hmm. I mean, they're not, they're not antithetical to each other, but they're, but they're in opposition often. I can be the guy who will, st you know, uh, start with a, a, a loving, um, um, emotional, uh, aspect and end by saying, bullshit, I don't believe you. Uh, tell me what's really going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. no, <laughs> so I've, seen you, I've seen you do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, I, I, I've spent my life being a pleaser and it doesn't pay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I find as I get older, I, you just, you can, you can sniff out the BS a lot quicker as you get older, I believe. And it's up to you what you do with that 
ability to sniff out BS. And I think right. what you're doing is, is amazing. So recommendations, if I was to put together a document like this for myself, you mentioned a few yeah. things that you actually ground that you covered with your leadership coach. Um, I think, first of all, what you did in bringing in a leadership coach is brilliant because it's nice to have a mirror to reflect it back on you because otherwise you right. drink your own bathwater. But what right. are the areas that people should look at covering so they don't go off on some crazy journey that nets them nothing so they get to something really good they can use? Well, remember my comment about the 74 questions? Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I think that's, that's, the, that's the key. Uh, what you're talking about reminds me of... Um, Oh gosh, one of the authors was Adamson and uh, The Challenger Sale, that book The Challenger, Challenger Sale. I love Sale. it. Yeah. So so you mentioned that you and I and 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 I have slipped into this mode myself in my career. Uh -huh. uh, have have spent a lot of time being a pleaser. Uh -huh. And I I know I know that com that that we all have that. Society compels us to please each other and show up and and dole out whatever it is we think people want to hear. And to some extent, you know, that's, well, that, I mean, that's an approach. I don't think it works anymore. I, I don't, I'm not sure if it ever really worked terribly well, because if what you're looking for is alignment, if what you're looking for is um, not, you know, um, facile expressions of, 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 you know, resume language that, that I think having really smart if you first of all first of all do the work and figure out what it is that you really i mean really i mean come on honestly really stand for and i know why know why be able to unpack that and this is where a coach and if you're in counseling or therapy um you can draw upon some of those conversations where trauma has shown up in your life to understand where priorities and values and and the emotional triggers that we carry um come from uh, and that's really i think that's really really smart all human beings should should have that should have a document of that is an ever-changing um, um relationship with the words that express what informs um how how we show up in the world make decisions what have you but then so like and having a document that tied to my career aspirations was fine but then i started asking quite i, I translated them into by the way um, the challenger sale, in case nobody knows what Mark and I are talking about, is, and jump in here, Mark, if you want to help. It's the idea that, you know, one way to show up, there's all these ways that you can sell whatever through price and, and value proposition and and service Pressure. and we're the best, all that stuff. And the challenger sale actually means that those are all valid, but really people buying a product or a service are looking for solutions. Mm -hmm. And, and if you can challenge them to rethink assumptions or, or to reconsider uh, the tropes and the, the standard approach to, to the way that we choose who we work with, um, what you end up with is partnerships. You mm -hmm. end up with trusted, trusting relationships and not everybody will respond. There's various, there various modes and ways to, to do this outlined in the book. It's, a, it's worth reading for anybody really, mm -hmm. but um, and in fact, they, you know, I've I've taken workshops from the authors, and and either one of them would be excellent guests on your on your um your uh, any of your shows, your mm -hmm. podcast, whatever, Mark. But I thought, you know, like I'm going to translate some of those things that are important to me into a question that then I can ask 
my potential uh, employers uh, that will not only be revealing to me in terms of whether there will be fit culturally, especially because culture is part of the mandate they're, they're handing me, um, but also <clears throat> um, whether um, w whether or not they uh, actually prioritize the, the, mm -hmm. the things that, right, like the, there's, the, the Venn diagram has enough overlap that yeah. we're going to be able to, to work together. Like, you know, I mean, I remember uh, one question in particular that I asked them was how diversity and inclusivity manifest in the recruiting and hiring policy at, at the organization. Mm -hmm. And then I reframed that for them and I said, I would like to make sure that I'm not just taking the position away from someone that, uh, you know, or a, a position that a qualified, brilliant person of color could occupy. Mm -hmm. And um, that led to a conversation. Wow. Oh oh I have God. never heard that asked. They were like, are you, are you kidding? For those who can't, this is, if you're not seeing this in video, um, I'm the straightest white guy you ever saw. Uh, so, but, but part of my values is to make room for others in a, uh, in a world that is run by people who look like Mark and I. Um, and um, that was an interesting conversation. And, and, and I circled that back to what the priorities would be that if I'm going to take accountability of their brand narrative, their messaging, and the two second hats that are a part of that is that I would also be in charge of the entire marketing group and sales business development group, but also the culture and community. My title officially with this organization is um, director brand community and culture. Mm -hmm. um, and they're all, to me, those things are all three just related entirely. Mm -hmm. Well then, how we how we express ourselves and hire and um, make up our team and uh, is very important. Mm -hmm. And they, and yet I'm they're hiring this guy from a very traditional background, you know, university educated white guy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like just one of these guys. So that is fine if I can bring bring the mojo, but I'm really interested in in the perspectives of the myriad perspectives of, of a number of different people that are not my age, my gender, my everything cultural perspective. Exactly. So that, you know, those type of questions. So, and I didn't have 74, that's a joke, but you know, I did ask them um, probably in the neighborhood of a dozen hard questions huh. and had questions and had conversations with them. What I had them do. Um, here's a tip for anyone who's thinking about this. Once things got pretty serious and I knew that this was a, a fairly um, real situation, I asked them to, to add me as a guest account to their Slack, their internal communications platform, um, and then introduce me um, because, of course, with COVID, everybody's working remotely, so it wasn't like I could just go to the office, and introduce me to... Um, um, nearly all of their uh, senior staff, their HR director, their marketing director, mm -hmm. uh, two of their associates, um, their studio manager, these sort of these sort of characters, and I and I had and I continued these conversations and asked these questions to those people to see how how they would answer. That's really That's cool. That's really cool. You know, it's funny because it does a lot come back to challenger selling. Challenger selling is challenging the assumption of of the person that you're selling to they say i want this you say yeah, you want that but what do you really need what i'm going to tell need? you what you think you need and then taking charge of the education process and unpacking for them a solution and they go i didn't think of that 
That's right. No. It also sets up it also sets up a, a scenario rooted in transparency and trust, where um, they realize that the working relationship they'll have with you won't just be based on kowtowing and ple- the you know the pleasing, which you and I, I mean, everybody has a tendency to do. I'm not just going to do everything. I understand that I'm in a, you know I don't own the company. I have to I have to I have to behave, but you're paying me to bring a perspective that may not, in fact, will often often be in opposition of what you your perspective or what you think we should do. That mm-hmm. is actually my job. And as you say, as a brand strategist, my, my job isn't to design the graphics. My job is to bring really smart, well-informed, research-driven ideas to drive uh, um, messaging of all of its forms um, from a place that will be effective, not a, not a, not a, what we did before, but what could actually work in the marketplace right now, which mm-hmm. I work in the design and architecture space that is in disarray and in dire need of, of um, a, new, a, new, um, a new paradigm. So, Now, final question, final question, uh, because we touched on this before. Um, I mean, I could go into reframing and stuff like that, the whole idea of pitch anything and, and you know, that some people can handle this, some people can't. But um, I, I want your thoughts on, um, well, actually, I do want your thoughts on reframing. We said before, there, it used to be a much more structured hierarchy. We all used to, we trained to go into, into corporations, right? And then work our way up, claw our way up to middle management and, um, and become, you know, quiet alcoholics and then just retire with a garden and die. And, and <laughs> sounds like I know that really well, doesn't it? Uh, and now suddenly we've thrown ourselves out there. You tried, you tried that. You failed at that approach. I failed. I, well, I always failed. And what, what always happened to me was I always threw myself out of jobs. And yeah. I couldn't understand why, because I'd never actually gone below, below the superficial. Soul, because you have a soul? Well, yeah, but, you know, I prided myself on being superficial and not thinking about stuff like that. But yeah, if, I had, if, I had, if I had gone a little <laughs> deeper, I would have, like you did, I probably would have gone, you know why this stuff stinks is because the whole system of advertising stinks, that you will take a, yeah. a, a shiny dollar to yeah. advertise anything. And just shut up and win the awards and take the money and uh, build that oil pipeline that you're getting paid to build. Oh, and gosh. well, you know, I mean, I work I for Enbridge. Um, yeah. Anyways, but do you believe that the system, final question, do you believe that that system of power structure is coming undone with the pandemic a little bit so that there is an openness to? challenger selling you know and pitch anything the whole idea was reframing taking the power position and there was in corporate world there are these power positions you don't tell me what to do because i'm above you you know and it's it's very calcified and stuck and i can't help but think that your perspective would be a real breath of fresh air in a lot of places that have had their foundations shaken absolutely loose do you think do you think that that's true or not yep i do um but I'm compelled to tell you the key, the key in what you're saying is, is think like, I think Mm. I would really, uh, I would love to have a follow-up conversation after I spend some more time in this organization. The organization that I'm joining Mm -hmm. is, um, part of a a large $8 billion U S led innovation, um, uh, initiative. And this is one independent firm as part of this, this group. 
And yesterday I actually, you know, I'm, I've started, you know, I'm going through the orientation and I'm learning all the things. And, and yesterday in, in my brand new inbox was a link from the new CEO who's only been in, 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 in that position for a mere month or two uh, for his first town hall. And, uh, and I watched it and I listened to what they talked about and the, the fairly kind of numbers oriented bottom line language that tends to permeate a lot of the dialogue these days in, in the big business realm, because of course the pandemic has created financial precarity all, everywhere. And so that is interesting. <clears throat> um, uh, the other thing is I looked at the, the board uh, of directors and the leadership layer of all of these organizations that we're one of. Um, that is a giant bucket filled with old rich white men. Mm -hmm. So that still exists. I mean, we do still live in the patriarchy and we may be uh, woke men, whatever that means, uh, but uh, we're deconstructing and, 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 and tearing apart those systems um, uh, will take time. And I'm not sure that everybody who even says they want it to change do, mm -hmm. because if it means we lose jobs and, and what, you know, and, and our own privilege, uh, that stings and, and we'll defend that. So, however, all of that being, being said, in the design space, in the creative space, and increasingly in the architecture space as one corner of that where I'm, I'm, I'm at, I mean, you know, women, there are more women in the firm I'm joining than there are men. Hmm. And that is, um, that is one of a number of factors that got my attention and leadership and, and decision-making um, is, um, is driven by a, a female forward perspective in this firm. And that to me is, um, an indicator of the change that needs to happen, but also I've seen it in other firms. In the Pacific Northwest where I live, there are a lot of architecture firms that are doing the really amazing work with um, brilliant female. I worked with a couple of women, a number of brilliant women in the last firm I was with, but in particular in the partnership group, a couple of women in the partners uh, um, layer that were absolutely wise and their intuition and perspective were incredible. And that's also why the diversity aspect for me is really important because I think, you know, we have, we being maybe North Americans um, in, in business leadership have so many gaps and blind spots. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as things get a bit desperate and I'm of the opinion that I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. I think mm -hmm. we're in for a bit of a long haul economically, um, we've dug a, a big debt hole and a lot of businesses, first of all, if they deserve to survive, right now, there's, there's a, there's, there's a, big a concept, big, wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, does the world really need that product or service? Uh -huh. Um, if they do, if they, if it is a viable, uh, response to social need that is worthy of consumer exchange, um, in the desperate moves necessary to protect it from economic failure, are we just going to prop up? This is my concern, right? This is my worry. Are we going to just prop up a bunch of men who did it before and, 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 uh, and put them back in charge? Or are we going to look to a younger, more diverse uh, way of leading? Um, and also gender, race, all that stuff aside, 
a, a different approach, like a different approach to how we learn, how we understand the human condition, how we show up, how we make decisions, how we how we actually manage um, our businesses. And my hope, and I've seen good signs that this is indeed happening in some areas, mm-hmm. is that the values uh, conversation and a sort of coach approach to a dialogic way of, of digging in to creative potential um, is 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 a is a way forward and i've seen i've seen a number of examples of it and i'm joining an organization that is is keen to walk that path so i'm optimism i'm optimistic but i'm pragmatically optimistic like i think that there are going to be some hiccups and some expected traditional kind of um steps backwards uh, um but I think this could unlock a whole new way forward. I, I, God, I hope so. Yeah. I hope yeah. in in terms of the environment, in terms of politics, in terms of uh, you know Social building, equity, yeah. uh, so all of it, community building, cities resiliency, the way we, we show up in all fashions. I think that we have to do a new way, and um, I'm ready to hand leadership to others and include them in a in a in a different way and get get to the back of the room. I don't need to be in the front of the room anymore. Well, you know, the thing, it's, it's funny, it's uh, the way you phrase it, it's almost like um, getting in at the start of the hero's journey. You know, you jump aboard and you say, I'm, okay, I'm going to join up. But that's when the journey actually starts, you know, right. and at every journey you encounter hardship, otherwise it wouldn't be a good story. Well, in all journeys, in all story arcs, there's, there's the inciting incident. And boy, have we had inciting incidents mm-hmm. in 2020. This is going to be, this is the year that my entire five decades on this planet I always thought to myself, wow, I've been lucky. At least I didn't have to live through that thing. Mm-hmm. And, and here, here it is. They are. They're, all, they're all happening all at once. Yeah, all the exactly. Things, all the things. Exactly. Yep. All right, amigo. Well, I am so happy that you could take the time to do this again and, uh, and give us the, the part two of, of the conversation. And <laughs> the phone, they, I'm, is, I'm at my in-laws and they have their hard of hearing. And they have these phones that tell you who's calling. I love it. Well, you say hello. You say hello, whoever's on the line, and and give them our best. All right, I'm out of here. You have a good. You have a good vacation still. The rest of your vacation. Thanks for taking the call on the vacation. And uh, I'm going to track your progress. Cool. And I'm going to watch your. uh, I'm going to hop on. Are you doing a Facebook thing today at ten? I'm doing a yeah brand DIY group Facebook live stream. I'm talking about tension and how to how to get people to uh, leverage the tension into doing something new. Excellent. I, I, everybody should go watch that and, uh, and, and track, track Mark's wisdom. He's giving it all away. Giving it all away He's for free. It, I, don't, I hate giving money. Giving it all away. <laughs> he hates money. I hate money. The, the retiring, retiring in his garden plan is not working. Exactly. Exactly. I'm just going to go live under a bridge and give it all away. I'll talk to you later. All right. Talk Bye. To you. Bye. You've been listening to Didn't See It Coming, the show about brands that learn from the past, look to the future, and profit today. I'm your host, Mark Stoiber. If you'd like to talk about brands, drop me a line. I'd love to hear your ideas.